started this, this morning with our uh, fifth message of this month. And over the last four weeks, we've seen uh, the events of Jesus' life and his earthly ministry, which revealed to us his, his true heart. Uh, it reveals to us, the, the, again, the overwhelming theme from the beginning of our Vision Sunday, uh, Vision Week, Vision Month, of what Jesus was, Jesus did. His actions, his pattern, all that he did in his life uh, was because of who and what he was on this earth. The opening week, we learned that Jesus went about. We saw that in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. It says, and, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Beloved, he went about. He was busy. He was getting involved in the lives of others and, and in the lives of those who needed help. And, and uh, he didn't sit still, but rather uh, he went in search to make a difference in the lives of those around him. And again, what Jesus was, Jesus did. I think that is something that we've learned uh, being this fifth week now. We've heard it week after week after week. Secondly, we see that Jesus put forth his hand, and he did so to the most unlikely character that you would imagine in Scripture, a leper. We saw that in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. When he was come down from the mountain, and great multitudes followed him, behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. At the close of the famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus walks down the mountainside where a leper, risking his own life by coming near to such a multitude of people, comes up to him. He has faith enough in the healing hands of our Savior, as well as our Savior's will, to heal him and to make it so. Thirdly, we find that Jesus moved in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Beloved, he was moved with compassion because, number one, he was switched on. He was switched on to what was going on around him. His sight affected his heart, and, and so he would move with compassion to utilize his own skill set to make a difference in the lives of those hurting around him, to the hurting young man. So we understand that Jesus Christ was involved in people's lives. Last week we learned that Jesus wept. We saw that his heart and nature ever becoming more real to us as we see his, his compassionate, loving heart desirous to touch the lives of those who needed him greatly, greatest. Which brings us to today. Brings us to week number five in our vision month. And even though it is the final Sunday of the month, uh, the theme that we have, the theme that we've been addressing will carry forward throughout the year. But in all that we've seen, in all that is recorded in Scripture, the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed. We're going to see this morning that there's only one verse, okay, that where Jesus answers it himself. Now remember, we, we, what we have seen and what is recorded is not all that Jesus did. Remember what John said. John said, and, and, there, uh, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. Amen. So we understand that, that even though Jesus Christ, and we see his heart revealed in all that he has done and who he is, he does. 
the many other multitude of things that he did, we don't even have a record of. His heart's revealed in his actions as our own. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the famous prince of preachers, the, the wonderful English uh, Baptist preacher in London, he pointed out that within the four gospel accounts, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is 89 chapters of biblical text, he points out that there is only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. Now, in all the things that we've covered thus far, and the many multitude of things that we will cover throughout the year, as well as the things that we don't even know about, reveals the heart of Jesus Christ. But there's one verse, one place, and even though his heart is revealed throughout all his activities, there is one place we find that Jesus himself tells of his own heart. We can learn much in the, in the four Gospels of Christ's teaching. We read about his birth, his ministry. Uh, we read about his disciples. We're told of his travels, his habits of prayer. Uh, we learn in all four accounts of, of his unjust arrest and the shameful death and miraculous resurrection. Consider the thousands of pages that have been written by the theologians alone over the past 2,000 years of the life of Jesus Christ, and yet in only one place, my friend, perhaps the most wonderful words ever to be uttered by human lips, do we hear Jesus himself open up about his own heart? And it's our text this morning. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, come, ye, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now here is where Jesus Christ speaks of the only time of his heart. He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we're going to get into that yoke next week. We're going to get into that light burden next week. We're going to focus on the meek and the lowly this morning. It is within this one place, within the holy pages of the Word of God, this, we see the Son of God peels back the curtain, enabling us to peer in, way down into the core of who He is. Jesus sets the terms of telling us who He is, and, and His true nature, if you will. And what does He say? He says, I'm, I'm meek and lowly in heart. There's many other things that He could have said. There's many other things he could have revealed. Could have revealed his power, his preeminence, his position. Could have revealed all those things. But his true nature comes forward in this verse, in his own words. For I am meek and lowly in heart. So beloved, understand when the Bible speaks of the heart, be it the Old Testament or the New, it's not speaking of our emotional life only, but rather the central core of our very being, the root to all we do and who we become. It is what gets us out of bed in the morning, guys. It is what causes us to, to daydream throughout our, our drive on the road and, and from places as well as, as the very thing that allows us to settle our mind at night and drift into sleep. It is our heart, our very being, not the organ that pumps the blood throughout the body, but the central core of our very being. Beloved, the heart is the, the HQ, if you will, of our motivation. In biblical terms, it's not part of who we are, but rather the center of who we are. In, in, in this single entity which defines us and directs us, 
it is our heart. This is why Solomon said, wisest man on the planet, said, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We could, we could park here for, for, for a month of Sundays. For out of it are the, what are the issues of life? You think of every issue that's going on in the world today. Think of all the things that happen in our world today, from the tragedy to the terrific, all of these things that happen in our world today, they happen from the heart of mankind. It is who we are. And yet Jesus tells us who he is from the depths of his own soul, from the depths of his heart. He says, I'm meek and lowly. I'm meek and lowly. The Puritan writer John Flay devoted a, an entire treatise to this verse, Matthew chapter 11, in verse 29, to the strategies to maintain the heart, he wrote this thing. And he said, it is what makes us, makes us the human being each of us are. He said, the heart drives all we do. It is who we are. So guys, who we are, what we do, our activities, our actions, our words come from the heart. And when Jesus tells us what inspires him most deeply, what is his greatest truth? What is found in the depth of his own heart? What does he say? He says, I'm meek and I'm lowly. Who could ever have thought up a Savior such as that? I mean, if you stop and you think when someone mentions a hero, a Savior, you know, we come up with, we in our mind, we're thinking of mighty Superman, maybe. Or mighty men of valor, you know, maybe we think of the warriors of, of days gone by, and rightly so, they are heroes, but we're talking about a savior of all mankind, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who all things consist in him, by him, and through him, and for him, and he reveals his nature to us, his true heart to us, and he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. So first off, as Jesus' heart is revealed in this verse, we find he has a characteristic we have a, he has a characteristic trait of being accessible. Accessible. Notice what it says, for I am meek. The Greek word translated meek is prihos. It's only, it's only translated into meek here in Matthew chapter 11. It is defined as gentle, mild, and meek. The root word for preos is preos, and preos is translated just three other times in the New Testament. It's in the first beatitude where we find it says that the meek, uh, the meek shall inherit uh, the kingdom of God, which is in, in Matthew chapter 5-5, five, five, a reference to the millennial kingdom. Uh, in, uh, in the, and then we find it the second time, Matthew 21, which is a prophecy of the triumphant entry, Matthew 21, 5, it's a quote from Zechariah 9, 9. It says, Tell ye the daughters of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. That's the second time it's transferred or translated. And in Peter's encouragement to wives, we also find it uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 4. He says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the order of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great prize. Jesus' true nature, his heart is meek. His heart is humble. His heart is gentle. Not a trigger-happy, harsh, reactionary, easily offended individual, but rather meek and humble and gentle in his doings. You know, the posture most natural to our Lord Jesus Christ was not a pointed finger or a closed fist, but rather an open arms. 
His last hours in this world was by an open arms, was it not? As he hung on the cross of Calvary. So get this in your mind this morning. Write it upon the table of your heart, if you will. It does not mean that we have an open door to live as we choose, to live wickedly. Nor does it mean that there isn't a consequences from bad choices. I'll make it very clear. You make stupid decisions, you're going to get stupid results. But Jesus Christ's heart, when he reveals it to us, shows us that he has a meek and lowly spirit, meek and lowly in heart, humble, gentle. But next we find that he says that he's lowly. The word lowly, uh, the meaning of the word lowly, it overlaps with meek, if you will. And it means not rising far from the ground, if you can think of it like that. To have a low estate or low degree. So together these words communicate a single reality about Jesus' heart. This specific word lowly is generally translated humble in the New Testament. We see that in James chapter 4 and, and verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. But typically throughout the New Testament, this Greek word is not referring to humility as a virtue, but rather as a sense of destitution, being thrust downward by life or circumstance. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in with you. This word that our, 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 our King James translators, by, by unseen hand, writes the word lowly down, are not meaning that of a characteristic trait of humility, but rather that of being thrust down by life or circumstance. A good example is Mary was pregnant with Jesus. The same Greek word is used to speak of the way that God exalts those who are lowly. Luke 1.52 tells us, He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of a low degree. In Romans chapter 12, Paul uses the word, word uh, saying, Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. He's referring to those of the, the socially unimpressive, if you will. I read that phrase the other day in, in my preparation for this sermon, the socially unimpressive. I thought that was a great utilization to typify who Jesus Christ was most drawn to. Those who are, uh, who, who are not positioned with a high status. Not people of uh, the baser sort, guys. Not criminals and, and vile individuals, but rather those who may be off by themselves, sat in a corner, and those who maybe look down upon others in high seats. The point that I'm trying to make with you this morning is Jesus Christ is meek. Jesus Christ is lowly. And you know what that makes him today? It makes him accessible. It makes him accessible. Not only accessibility is one thing. Yet the next step or characteristic, if you will, of, that we find by being meek and lowly in heart is that Jesus Christ is not only accessible, but he's also approachable. Now, accessibility is absolutely useless if you're not approachable. For all of his magnificent glory, his glaring holiness, his supreme uniqueness, no human in history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. Having access to someone is one thing, yet the person portraying approachability is altogether next level. There's no prerequisites. There's no hoops to jump through. Just approachable he is. 
And this, this has been proven time and time and time again. We've already seen it in the past four weeks. We've seen it in different illustrations and other sermons. But you take the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She was able to approach Jesus Christ. The Syrophoenician woman at the table who says, Surely, Lord, uh, you know, we, make, we can make a meal from the crumbs of the master's table. The leper on the mount that we just spoke about moments ago. The woman with the issue of blood of 12 years. The list could go on and on. The Lord Jesus Christ is meek and lowly in heart, which makes him on this earth accessible to those that are in most need, but approachable, which is most important. B.B. Warfield, in his book, The Person and Work of Christ, commented on Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, and this is what he said. He said, no impression was left by his life manifestation more deeply imprinted upon the consciousness of his followers than that of the noble humility of his bearing. Noble humility of his bearing. You know, beloved, we need to stop and think about this pattern we're speaking of, this legacy, if you will, of living a life worth leaving to others. And ask ourselves as we review and we see the revealed heart of Jesus Christ of being meek and lowly, and ask yourself, are we accessible? Are we approachable as our Lord and Savior is? You see, the minimum, the minimum step to be surrounded into the embrace of Jesus is simply to open yourself up to him. It's that simple. That's accessibility. That's approachability. This is all he needs. It's his accessibility which offers you and I the very next step. It's his approachability which enables the offer to become a reality into our life. But thirdly, beloved, and lastly, it is his accountability which ties them all together. As a matter of fact, I'll go out to say it is Jesus' accountability to the first two what makes it all worthwhile. Think about it like this, guys. I can be accessible to the T. And then, and then I can be approachable as they come. Yet if I cannot offer anything, no help, no direction, no guidance, no pattern, then what good is the accessibility and the approachability? What good is it that you have access to me and, and that you're able to approach me if I can offer you nothing in return, if I cannot help lead, guide, or direct in any way, shape, form, or fashion? You see, it is the accountability Jesus has. That makes it all worth it. The accountability of Jesus in his life on this earth is second to none. So the equation looks like this. Accessible plus approachable plus accountable. And that makes the difference in the lives of others around us. That makes the difference in the lives of those that we see. Guys, it's only, it, 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 is one, it is only the thing, it's the only thing that Jesus Christ has to work with. It's what he reveals in his heart to us today that we can take forward in our life tomorrow. In verse 28 of our passage in Matthew 11, Jesus tells us explicitly who qualifies for fellowship with him. And this is where Jesus calls right here. In Matthew 11, verse 28 again, it says, Come unto me, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Beloved, you do not need to unburden yourself. You do not need to collect yourself to come to Jesus. Jesus calls today, and he says, just come unto me, and I'll give you rest. Come unto me that are, that are burdened. Come unto me that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. 
Beloved, it's your very burden. Listen carefully to this right here this morning. It is your very burden which qualifies you to come and accept the call today. No payment is required. He says, I'll give you rest. That's the result. Understand that his rest is a gift. It's not a transaction. It's not an exchange of goods. It's not a barter. It's a gift that you receive for simply answering the call that he is making. You say, well, what about those who are laboring? What does that really mean? Guys, you may be vigorously working hard to strong arm your way through life today, trying to find peace. And that's what he's referring to. All of us in here labor in some sort of way. The Lord is not saying to all those who are working diligently in his name and and for those preachers out there and those missionaries out there and those evangelists out there and and those workers and laborers in the field today, uh, uh, you're out there, you're laboring, you're laboring, you're laboring, and all of you, hey, those who are laboring, this is what, no, sir, he's talking about those who are trying to crowbar themselves through life in search of some type of peace. He says, you're the one I'm talking to, come to me, I'll give you some rest. Or you may be passively finding yourself weighed down by something completely outside of your control. He says, those of you that are heavy laden, you're loaded up with things that you can't even, things in your life. You may be strong-arming yourself and laboring through this world, trying to find that rest, trying to find that peace. You may be burdened down from something of your past, something of your childhood, something of your current state, something that you're dealing with, be it guilt or whatever it may be. He's saying, look, man, hey, you got something in your life, you're heavy laden, but either way or both, if you're burdened by something or someone outside of your realm of control, all you are doing is laboring day in and day out, trying to find peace. And Jesus Christ desires you to find rest in him. I've hammered this point two weeks in a row. Psalm 23 tells us that he leadeth me beside the still waters. He's not leading you into chaos. If you're here today and you're saved and born again and the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you and we know that if you're saved, he is. You got all that you're ever going to get of him. The moment you got saved, you're not getting any more, and you don't lose any at all. Amen. Okay? But I will tell you this. You'll grieve the living daylights him if you're bringing him into chaos. The word grieve means to, means to cause to be sad. It means to burden, to make, make one weep. And that Holy Spirit of God will corner up inside your temple somewhere, and he'll weep his heart out if you're putting him into situations of chaos. The day that Jesus Christ was, I'm giving away a sermon from next month, but nonetheless, the day that Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist, John looked up and he said, I saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. Guys, a dove is the most sensitive bird there is. If you ever watch a dove in its actions, they're nervous, they're sensitive, they move, they, 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 they twitch. First little sound, they're gone. That's why the Lord, that's why God used a dove as an example of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's sensitive. And if you want his influence and his input in your life, you're going to have to get out of places of chaos. Because he's not going to operate in areas of chaos. 
He's not going to operate in places of confusion. He's just not going to do it. You won't rest today. Strong arming your way through life, trying to find peace, heavy laden by something that's outside of your control. Listen, you come to Christ, he desires to help you find rest. He is not interested in you remaining in a state of disarray. His will is not for you to remain in a place of chaos and complete unsettledness. It is not how he works. Beloved, he's asking you to come. He's asking you to come to him in the midst of the storm. And he's accountable that you find rest. Meek and lowly. This is according to his own testimony, the only verse where Jesus makes crystal clear his very heart. He is meek and lowly. This is who he is, tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, and willing. If we were, to be, if we were asked today the only thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring him and his own teaching. And if our simple answer was, he's meek and lowly. Now, here's a caveat. Jesus calls. Jesus calls. He's meek and he's lowly. And this is not who he is to everyone indiscriminately. He's meek and lowly for those who come to him, who take his yoke upon him, who cry for him for help. The paragraph just before, the passage of Scripture just before in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gives us a very clear picture of how he handles the impenitent. In Matthew 11, verse 20 through 21, it says, Then began he to upbraid the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazan! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! He says, For if the mighty works which were done in you, had they been done in Tyre, Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. See, make it, make it under, understand it, guys. Meek and lowly does not mean weak and slurpy. Never mistake weak, meekness for weakness and lowliness for laziness. But for the penitent, his heart of meek embrace is never outmatched by our sins, our failures, our insecurities, our doubts, our anxieties, or our shortcomings. For lowliness, guys, for a lowly meekness is not one, uh, one way Jesus occasionally acts toward others, but meekness is who he is. It is his heart. And he can't unmeek himself toward his own any more than you and I can change our eye color. It's who we are. This is who he is. He's meek and lowly in heart, my friend. Our Lord, our Savior today, living a legacy, living a life worth leaving to others, setting a legacy, a pattern for you and I to follow. It's who he is, meek and lowly in heart. He simply says, come. Jesus calls. He says, come. He's accessible. Jesus calls. He's approachable. Jesus calls. He's accountable to give you Rest. This is the heart of Jesus Christ. This is the epitome of being meek and lowly today. And it is a pattern that you and I can follow if we choose to accept the call and find rest in him. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the, the time together. We thank you for the message today. We thank you for the Holy Scripture. Lord, my prayer is that souls would be receptive to that which you have brought forth today. 
Lord, undoubtedly, there's going to be those here this morning who've hung on every word, who seek to make changes in their life, to apply the Holy Scripture, to better their life and those around them. And yet, there's going to be those that are sat here this morning who checked out from the moment they sat down. So, Father, my prayer is that you deal with each one in the way that they have received the message today. Bring it to the forefront of their mind. If they've checked out, I pray you convict them and call them to repent. If they're checked in, Lord, I pray you bless them in a mighty, mighty way. Lord, I thank you for the message. I thank you for the testimony. I thank you for the revelation of the heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his own words. For where he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. We praise his wonderful name, dear God, and ask you to continue on with us in the months coming up. Throughout this year, as we continue to present this thought of legacy, living a life worth leaving to others. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things this morning. Amen and amen.